to be in Matthew chapter 19 to begin. We've been uh, over the last weeks and months looking at the commands that the Lord gave during his own personal ministry in the Great Commission after he tells them to make disciples he says teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and uh, we go through the scripture and we look for imperative verbs in the Greek that'd be imperative it just means that they're imperative <laughs> it's a command and today we come to um, the command is in verse 6 of our text here, Matthew 19, 1 through 10. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And a great multitude followed him and healed them, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? He answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which hath made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let not man put asunder. They said to him, Why did Moses then command to have a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I said to you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, if the case of a man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. The command that we're looking at is in verse 6, where he says, Let not man put asunder, direct imperative command, that you shouldn't put asunder your spouse. That put asunder means to, to leave a husband and wife, to divorce, to depart, to go away. And so this text brings us to the area of divorce and remarriage. And we clearly need to study and understand what the Bible is teaching in this area, unless we find ourselves disobeying our Savior. Of course, the subject is extremely painful and emotional. In today's society, there's hardly a single family that has not have some member of their extended family been touched by divorce. The likelihood of marriage ending in divorce today is nearly 50%, and that usually within the first seven years. Over 2.5 million people are involved in divorce yearly in America. And when the Lord gives these commands, they're not just to put things upon us to see how we react to them, but the commands are for our benefit. And uh, he knew that divorce and remarriage had a very negative effect upon a family. Let me read you some statistics here. These are kind of old. 
1996, it was found that children of divorced parents were 50% more likely than their counterparts from intact families to also have marriages ending in divorce. 63% of youth that took their life and suicide came from divorce homes with no father. 90% of homeless runaway youth come from divorced homes with no father present. 85% of children with behavior problems come from homes with no father present. 71% of schools dropouts come from the divorced families. 85% of the youth in prison come from the divorced families. 50% of teenage mothers come from homes with no father figure. Now we know by the grace of God that those statistics can be changed because uh, we have Timothy's mother and grandmother that's an example of that. And by God's grace, there can be single parents, but it's difficult. And it's no wonder the Lord gave this command. For he says in Malachi, For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. And that's a reference to divorce. Children from divorced families face questions and pressure that no child should have to face. What if both parents leave me? What is it that I did wrong to cause my parents not to love each other? Did I cause the divorce? Now, what's going to happen to me? How am I going to get along with my stepmother or my stepbrother? And what should be the most enjoyable times of a child's life turns into anxiety. Where will he go for his birthday? And will there be a blow-up? Where will he go for Christmas? And how can he make everybody happy? What grandparents should he love? Moms and dads or step-grandparents? To divorce is like trying to ply apart a piece of plywood. It can be done. Some plywood has five layers, some more. You could peel that off and think you're going to make paneling out of the layers. But it leaves a terrible mess. It's like an amputation. You survive, but there's less of you. One man said, divorce is an easy escape, many think, but the guilt and the loneliness they experience can be more tragic than living with their problem. In our day, divorce and remarriage is justified by many varying excuses. But hopefully, by the time you get through this lesson today, you'll be convicted to take the Bible's position. Let me define marriage. Biblical marriage is a physical union of a man and a woman within the bonds of a covenant of marriage. We alluded to it, but in Malachi chapter 2, the Lord there says that he hates putting away, that God hates it because of the damage that it causes. Now I want you to note with me some passages here in the scripture. Look in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 11. And he saith unto them, Who shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her? And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. 
Particularly note that there's no exception clause there except for the cause of fornication. It's not there. It's just strictly if we had to teach about divorce and remarriage from the book of Mark, he says if you, if you separate, you put away your wife and you marry another, you committeth adultery and the same uh, with a woman. Look in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 18. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her and put away from her husband committeth adultery. Look in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 2. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So, so then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she, know, she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And then a big passage that we should, uh, you know, if, if we weren't just in this series, we'd cover the whole chapter. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, And verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and, be not, and let not the husband put away his wife. And then after the whole discussion, he ends the passage in verse 39 of chapter 7. And he says this. He says, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. But she is happier if so abide after my judgment. I think so that I have the spirit of God that is to remain unmarried. And so I don't know how we can look at those scriptures and not understand that God says that Divorce, and then particularly remarriage after divorce, is to commit adultery. Very straightforward, nothing confusing. But when we come to the book of Matthew, we do have that little phrase in there that needs to be dealt with, and it's used twice. First in Matthew chapter 5, he says uh, in verse 31, it hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, to him give him a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. And then uh, in uh, chapter 19, in verse 9, where we begin our reference, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. And so, two questions that we're going to have to deal with. Why, why is this, why only in Matthew? And the question, the other question is what is 
fornication. What is it? Because he says, except for the cause of fornication, in Mark, in Luke, in Romans, in Corinthians, there's no, there's no except verse there. And so, what, what is that talking about? Well, let us, uh, let us answer that question, those two questions. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, of course, all about the life of Christ, but every book is written particularly to a, a, a certain people group. Matthew is written primarily to the Jews, Mark uh, more to the Gentiles, Luke to uh, the world, and John talking about Christ as God to the world. Matthew emphasizes Jesus as king. And so when we look at Matthew, we need to keep in mind the Jewish background. And so to understand the exception clause, we need to understand the Jewish practice of betrothal. In a Jewish culture, when a young man wanted to marry a girl, the parents would meet together and decide if and when they should become husband and wife. And once that was decided, a formal ceremony was then held in which some money, some property was exchanged and a document was signed. And at this point, the couple were officially declared to be betrothed which is similar to our engagement, but really it's much more binding than what we would say an engagement is. A contract has been entered into. As far as the Jewish law was concerned, they were betrothed, they were married in, a, in that they're going to be married, it's binding. And even though both of them returned back to their parents and he worked on building their house, over a year, they would uh, then actually have a public wedding. But during that time, there was no sexual contact. And in the eyes of the law, they belonged to each other and were melded together. They were married. And because this is true, then the Lord uses specific wording here, the Bible does. Again, I don't know where you're at, but uh, let's look in. Um, let's see where I want to go. Well, let's look in Matthew 19. And verse 9. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication, and shall marry another committeth adultery. There's two different words that are used. One is fornication. Except for fornication, if you put away your wife except for fornication, 
So was, you could put away uh, in fornication, and then it says if that's not the case, then adultery is committed. Two sexual sins, but when they're used in the same passage, they can't be the same sexual sin. Adultery was a sin committed by a person whose marriage had been consummated after the engagement period, the betrothal period. And of course, today, that's common knowledge. When people commit adultery, they've, they've uh, used somebody else's spouse. They've committed adultery against their own spouse. They're married people. Fornication was sexual relationships with someone else other than the one that they were betrothed to before they were married with the consummation of the marriage and premarital sex. Now, one thing you gotta understand too, that sometimes pornea, which is translated fornication, it covers a multitude of sexual sins. But in this case, it can't, it can't be a multitude of sexual sins. There's two different specific sexual sins that are talked about, fornication and adultery. And John, it makes that plain. It says, he's talking of Jesus Christ, and he says, you do the deeds of your father. Then said, he said to, to the, the scribes and Pharisees, you, you do the deeds of your father, and then they say to him, we be not born of fornication, understanding that, that he didn't have a father. And, and that's, uh, you know, the virgin birth. One of the great things about Joseph is throughout the life of Jesus and with, his, with Mary, he had to endure the accusation that they committed fornication. And what's not true? that he was, was, she was a child of the whole Holy Ghost. First Corinthians says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And so in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19, what's it speaking about? Well, what it's speaking about is that <clears throat> my dad and mom and her dad and mom have come and we've made this agreement and we've been officially betrothed. But during that time period, I was unfaithful or she was unfaithful before the marriage had ever been consummated, it was legal to put her away because she committed fornication or he had committed fornication. There was a time period there underneath the betrothal time that they could be put away. But after the marriage was consummated, the, the, the except for fornication clause is no longer valid because it would have been adultery. And I think the best way to understand that is to go with me over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And look there in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so they, they, he's, they're espoused. This betrothal is, is binding. And she 
one day Joseph goes to see her and she has news for him. She says, I'm pregnant. And he says, what? How could that be? <laughs> he says, oh, God gave me the baby. And now Joseph's really confused. But the, but the angel came and talked to him too, didn't he? And he tells her, don't put her away. This is of, the, this is of God. But there was a time period. And he says, uh, and Joseph, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, he could have took her out and made a public example and in Old Testament stoning would take place. But he, he cared for her. And so he wanted to do this, this divorcement of the betrothal time in a private way. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And so you see here, she's called his wife, though they're not married officially yet. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And so it's a Jewish thing. It's, <clears throat> in case there's any doubt, uh, you only need to look at at the other scriptures and particularly let me read this to you John 8 41 where in John 8 41 it says ye do the deeds of your father they say unto him we be not born of fornication and we've read that so they're accusing Jesus of being buried by fornication now look with me back in Matthew 19 and they come to Jesus in Matthew 19. And in verse 3, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and said to him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? They're, they're wanting to try to pin Jesus down here. And the same question is today. What would allow me to divorce? What would allow for divorce and remarriage? Now, during this time period, there were two different areas of thought. There was a rabbi named Shammai, and there was a rabbi named Hileo. The followers of Samai held that a man could not divorce his wife unless he found her guilty of sexual immorality. And the followers of Halil allowed divorce for any, any, any reason. If she's displeasing to me, she burnt my ribeye steak. <laughs> the salad dressing, I didn't like it. I came home and the house was dirty. I divorce you. And they come with that by the reasoning of Deuteronomy chapter 24. So let's go over there and look at that. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, when a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, 
because he found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of the house. And so they were debating what it meant there to find no favor, some uncleanness. And the one group, Hylio, would say, anything, anything that's displeasing to me, I can divorce you. And when she's departed out of his house, she may go and be married, be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, just hold your spot there, and let's go back to 19 again, Matthew 19. And so, when they're asking the Lord this question, is it lawful for a man to put, his way for, put away his wife for every cause? They're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 24. And they want to know, what's your opinion, Lord? We got Shammai, we got Hylia. What Where are you going to fall out here? Where are you going to take a stand? What's your opinion? But the Lord doesn't go to Deuteronomy 24. He goes to the book of Genesis. And he says in verse 4, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, there are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And he says in verse 8, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And so, when Deuteronomy 24 comes up, what the Lord, he refuses, he, he doesn't go back to a, a, a stipulation that had to be made, but he goes back to creation. He goes back to creation. But then when he gets to 24, Deuteronomy 24, the commentary in Matthew is, why did Deuteronomy 24 come about? Why, why was this stipulation made in Deuteronomy chapter 24? And the Lord says, because the hardness of heart. That when two couples get together, it don't always work. And why is that? Because of pride and hardness of heart. Because of not esteeming others better than yourselves. It's not loving with all your heart. People's wills get in there. And so it was, it was going to happen. 
And so Moses makes this, he, underneath Moses, God allows this writing of divorcement. Now what you got to understand is this. That law in Deuteronomy 24 was not given to make divorce easy. There had to be a writing of divorcement. There had to be some, some steps taken. There had to be an entered into the uh, governmental realm. And it wasn't easy. And also one of the stipulations given was this. If you're going to go this route and you're going to have a hard heart, understand this. There's no going back. It said there, it said there, you cannot go back and marry her again. She's defiled. What happened in this divorcement is that they allowed it because of just the hardness of heart. But it defiled them. She was defiled. And, 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 uh, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna justify divorce and remarriage on the hardness of heart, then we better understand that the Lord has some really strong things to say about hardness of heart. And so we find here, it's a legal writing, a divorcement, discourage the divorce. You can't go back and marry them again. And uh, it defiles a person. And then the Lord says in the eighth verse there, because the hardness of your heart, the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives, but but from the beginning is not so. And so he's saying here, God suffered it. God allowed it. God knew there would be total confusion in society. As far as hardness of heart, happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Now, Here's the deal. People want to use Deuteronomy as a justification for divorce. But if you're going to use that passage in Deuteronomy, verses 1 through 4, if you're going to use that passage, then we need to use the other passages in Deuteronomy. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 22. And look in verse 13. Deuteronomy 22, 13. If any man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasion of speech against her and bring her up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. Then shall the father of the damsel's mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city and the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife and he hated her. And lo, he hath given occasion of speech against her. I found not the daughter, uh, uh, and he's saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, 
And yet these are the tokens of her daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city, and the elders of the city shall take the maid and chastise him. And they shall immerse him a hundred shekels of silver, and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought an evil name upon a virgin of Israel, and she shall be his wife, and he may not put her away all his days. He says she wasn't, she wasn't a virgin when I married her, but they had proof. Uh, don't ask me about what all that is, but they had proof, and, and she was going to be his wife all her days. He's going to take care of her. Look over in uh, 22:29, verse 28. <clears throat> Often you hear this excuse, well, you know, we got married when we were <clears throat> really, really young because uh, we, we was messing around and she got pregnant and we had to get married. And now we realize that we were too young and this isn't going to work. Well, look at what Deuteronomy it says here. In verse 28 of chapter 22. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her, and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife, because he hath humbled her. He may not put her away all his days. Well, it doesn't even mention that she was pregnant, but, it's, but here, here two people are shacking up. And he said they got caught. And you got to get married. That's, that's Old Testament. And then in Deuteronomy 22:13, yeah, we looked at that already. Let's see. Yeah, we already looked at that. And so uh, to use Deuteronomy chapter 24, 1 through 4, as a reason for divorce is not um, biblical. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 19. I want you to look at verse 10. The Lord's went through all this. And the disciples say unto him, If a case of a man be so with his wife... It is not good to marry. But he said to them, All men cannot receive this saying, save them to whom it is given. What's he saying? Well, the disciples came to a realization that this marriage thing was serious. And the one that you walk down the aisle with, you better determine uh, days before you walk down the aisle. This is going to be my husband. This is going to be my wife for life. That's what they're shocked about. It's a serious matter. And, and he's holding them accountable. And so this exception clause only works if you are engaged and betrothed in the sense of... Uh, the Jewish economy or Jewish mores. So what do we conclude here? Well, we conclude 
that God hates divorce. And he's not going to encourage that which he hates. If we would have went further, we didn't have time over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says this. Here people are having trouble, husband and wife. And he says, if they depart, let him depart. You're not under obligation, not under responsibility. What's he saying? He's not saying that if they depart, then you're no longer, you know, you can now go look for a new person. Because in the beginning, in the very end, he says twice, if you divorce and remarry, it's a sin. But he said, if they depart, let them depart. What he's saying is, if let's say this, this uh, wife is displeased with her husband and she takes off and, and uh, he, she leaves him. And you're, not, uh, you're not responsible to run all over the world trying to make it work. You're to move on with your life. He intended for it to be permanent. Let not man put asunder. That was the command. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The Bible clearly states that divorce and to remarry is to commit adultery. The exception clause that uses the word fornication was for the time of espousal. And the disciples understood that uh, the Lord was being very strict and narrow about this. Now, people, even professing Christians, get divorced out of the hardness of the heart. The sin is really comes about in being remarried. But the heart, the Bible says of the lost man and it flows over into Christian man, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And there's times when it's all about me and there's times when wrongs are done on both sides. I've never seen a divorce where there can't be blamed laid on both sides. So what do you do? Well, as it says in 1 Corinthians, you're not bound, you part. You can remain single. But sometimes people who are even Christians will get divorced and remarried. And uh, what do we do about that? I knew one, I've heard, I don't know personally, but I've heard of Baptist preachers who say if you've been divorced and remarried, you can't be a member of this church. We had a family in our church who had a, who their father, his father was a pastor in Oregon, and uh, he had married this girl in the military, and, and uh, you know, he's away from church, and, 
even begin to question his salvation and we kind of helped him with that when he came up here and started going to church. But uh, his father, he, he, he divorced this woman and then he married, married another woman later on in his military service and they had three kids. And his father said, what you need to do to make this right, you need to divorce your present wife, leave your three kids and go back to the first wife. That's insanity. But here's what I would say to you. If you've been divorced and remarried, don't hold it up as a great example for what others should do too. But tell them if they see any good in your present situation to understand it's by the grace of God. The Lord is in the salvaging business. There are sayings in our lives that we all have done wrong. That mar our testimony. But the Lord wants us to keep on keeping on. If he's not taking you home, he still wants to use you. And so, this, this is a position which is, I believe, 100%. It's a mountain I'll die on, what I've taught this morning. I believe it's biblical. But I believe also that the world is full of sinners. And sometimes things are done even before you're saved that you just, it just did. But God, again, I'll use the word, God is in the salvaging business. And even, okay, so (laughs) people say, okay, if I get divorced and remarried and that's to commit adultery, every time I go to bed with my wife, do I commit adultery? And there's adultery in my life? And is that going to keep me from going to heaven? Well, if you take that road, it's going to. But that's not the road the Bible has. We make a mistake. We commit a sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All right? Not uh, not a pleasant (laughs) topic. But it's one that needs to be taught. One that needs to be particularly presented to our youth to know that when you enter into marriage, you don't know what you're getting into. You think you love this girl more than you could ever, ever love anybody. But as you spend 10 and 20 and 30 years with them, you realize that that love grows But you better be sure of this one thing, that you have the peace of God in your heart about marrying that man or that woman. It's not about how pretty she is or how you feel or all the little butterflies you have when you're around her. It's about do you have God's peace in your life about marrying them? And then when the first fight comes and you say, (laughs) what did I do? You can go back and say, 
God gave me peace, and God will aid me in this, and we'll make through it. Okay? All right, you're dismissed. Thank you.